spoiler alert, this podcast will cover events in the most recent aired episode of Game of Thrones on HBO. If you have not seen that episode yet, you may wish to avoid this podcast until you have. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series, you're listening to Podcast Winterfell. Here's your host, Matt Murdoch. Hey everybody, welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. It's episode 295 of the podcast. This week is another TV-only friendly look at Sansa Stark, or Lannister, or Elaine Baelish, or Sansa Bolton. Whoever she is, uh, this is our part two of a look at her, Death of a Fairy Tale Part Two. My name is Matt Murdock. I am from podcastwinterfell.com. That's where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can also find contact links. You can find podcast app links. And I would love it if you could take the time to leave me a review in the podcast app that you use in order to listen to this podcast. It helps me stay more noticeable, helps me know what you like and dislike about the show. Um, I did this in, or will have done this, in the podcast that came out covering us off Song of Ice and Fire, but I'm not sure if these listeners read the books or if they're just TV show people. So uh, I want to thank Nikki Loves Jon Snow in the U.S. iTunes store and Priscilla in the Stitcher store for your written reviews uh, for the podcast. Thank you very much. Also, I want to let you know, since I'm pre-recording these, this will be coming out on the 26th of October, and I will already be on tour, uh, but I wanted to let you know where I'm going to be. October 25th through November 7th, I will be at Chicago's in Key West, Florida. Um, All that time will be there. Uh, November 11th, I'll be at Bill's Tiki Bar in Clearwater, Florida. On November 13th, Capital Oyster Bar in Montgomery, Alabama. On November 14th, we'll be at the Beaches Historical Society in Jacksonville, Florida. On November 17th, The Rusty Nail in Wilmington, North Carolina. November 18th and 19th at Madam's Organ in Washington, D.C. And November 20th at Riley J's in Geneva, New York. So if you're anywhere near any of those places and you want to come out and say hello, shake my hand, maybe you know, punch me in the mouth because you don't like the way I do the podcast. Uh, I'm happy to receive anybody, lovers, haters, whatever, but I'd love to see it. This is all for the James Armstrong band. Look for that uh, at those places to get the details as to when exactly we play in terms of time and all of that. Um, Thanks in advance. Uh, Nothing else to say. Uh, I've plugged myself enough, I think, regarding the podcast and the website and the band. So, let's get back into Sansa. In 
In the last Sansa episode, we explored how Sansa's expectations of the life of a true lady of Westeros were dashed due to war and the quest for power, and how she is a character that both George R. R. Martin and the showrunners Benioff and Weiss has used to demonstrate how war can affect anyone, no matter what their status is in life. We've seen Sansa endure several traumatizing events in her young life at the age of 13 or 14, and how she has managed to still have a fundamental belief in the good in people intact despite those events. Some call that naive, and while I will admit that sometimes that has caused her to be placed in peril, she has slowly learned to at least protect herself from the threats that she recognizes as dangerous. Her last leap of dispelling some of the naivete had yet to come, however. It would take even more traumatic events in order for her to finally be able to detect dangers and replace her wanting to believe in the good in everyone with a slightly more cynical assessment of the motivations of the people around her. And one of the key contributors to the added traumas was, of course, Peter Baelish, better known to most of us as Littlefinger. Littlefinger had made a promise to Sansa to help her get free from the grips of King's Landing, which she initially refused after the Tyrells had arranged an an engagement for her to Loras. And he slipped away as that engagement was broken and Sansa was instead married to Tyrion Lannister. But through the use of the court fool Dantos, Littlefinger arranged a plan with the Tyrells to give Sansa one last chance to flee and exact some revenge. And during the course of those actions, fleeing was really her only choice as she might be accused of participating as a fellow Kingslayer along with her husband Tyrion Lannister. We followed the necklace through the rewatches to ascertain that Dantos gave Sansa the necklace, which the Queen of Thorns took a piece from to drop into Joffrey's drink, causing his death that horrified all at the Purple Wedding, especially Joffrey's mother Cersei. You said you'd take me home. You said King's Landing was your home. Well, the property of the crowns dealing you would be treason if you were to tell just one I won't person. tell anyone. How do I know? Because I'm a terrible liar. You said so yourself. Please, Lord Baelish, tell me what to do. Tell me when. I'm waiting for word on an assignment that will take me far away from the capital. When I set sail, I might be able to take you with me. But you'll need to be ready to leave on a moment's notice. I have good news. I'll be leaving the city soon. You still want me to come with you? It's not a question of what I want. It's what you want. You want to go home, don't you? Of course, more than anything. But maybe it would be better to wait. I've been thinking how dangerous it would be. Not just for me, but for you. You've been so kind, I'd feel terrible if anything happened to you. I can't tell you how touched I am by your concern for my welfare. I hope you know that I'm your friend, Sansa. Your true friend. I do, Lord Baelish. Peter. Peter. If you wish to stay, then of course, we'll stay. Sodontos. The King's name day celebration. I'm I'm sorry, I should have remembered. I can't accept your apology. I may be a fool, but I'm a living fool, thanks to you. Anyone would have done the same. 
But only you did. I can never repay you. You gave me my life. But this, this is worth more than my life. It belongs to my mother and her mother before her. Our Solard was strong once. House on the rise. That's all that's left of those days, thanks to a few sad, fat drunks like me. I can't take it. It's very, very kind of you, but I, I can't. I don't have anything else left. That's all. Take it. Wear it. Let my name have one more moment in the sun before it disappears from the world. I'll wear it with pride, Sidontos. A thousand gold cloaks are searching for you. <laughs> and if they found you, how do you think they would punish the girl who murdered the king? I didn't murder anyone. I know. I know, but you must admit it looks suspicious. The king who executed your father, who tormented you for years, and you fled the scene of his murder. Money buys a man's silence for a time. A bolt in the heart buys it forever. He was helping me because I saved his life. Yes. And he gave you a priceless necklace that once belonged to his grandmother. The last legacy of House Hollard. I had it made a few weeks ago. What did I once tell you about the capital? Rule liars here. Did I kill Joffrey? I've been in the Vale for weeks. I know it was you. And who helped me? with this conspiracy. Well, there was Sodontus. You used him to get me out of King's Landing, but you would never trust him to kill the king. Why not? Because you're too smart to trust a drunk. Then perhaps it was your husband. No. How do you know? It just do. You're right. He wasn't involved in Joffrey's death. But you were. Do you remember that lovely necklace Dantus gave you? I don't suppose you noticed that a stone was missing after the feast. The poison. I don't understand. The Lannisters gave you wealth, power. Joffrey made you the Lord of Harrenhal. A man with no motive is a man no one suspects. Always keep your foes confused. If they don't know who you are or what you want, they can't know what you plan to do next. I don't believe you. If they catch you, they'll put your head on a spike, just like my father's. You'd risk that just to confuse them. So many men, they risk so little. They spend their lives avoiding danger. Then they die. I'd risk everything get what I want. And what do you want? Everything. My friendship with the Lannisters was productive, but Joffrey, the vicious boy with a crown on his head, is not a reliable ally. And who could trust a friend like that? 
Who could trust you? I don't want friends like me. My new friends are predictable, very reasonable people. As for what happened to Joffrey, well, that was something my new friends wanted very badly. Cersei may be vicious, but she's not stupid. She'll turn the boy against you as soon as she can. And by the time you're married, it'll be too late. Luckily for you, the Queen Regent is rather distracted at the moment, mourning her dear departed boy, accusing her brother of his murder, which he didn't commit. Well, he could have done. Oh, he could have done, but he didn't. You don't know, Grandmother. But I do know. You don't think I'd let you marry that beast, do you? What? I don't understand you. Don't you worry yourself about all that. You just do what needs to be done. Perhaps the most ironic thing about Sansa's relationship with Littlefinger is that while his intentions towards her seem equally intent on betting her himself as some kind of sick fantasy fulfillment about Catelyn, as well as using her as a pawn to gain a greater position of power, Sansa might actually still perceive Littlefinger as the one person who has, in a way, been a knight saving his princess in ways. Littlefinger has come to her aid on three separate occasions to date. He helped her get out of King's Landing, he saved her from the jealous and crazy Aunt Liza, and he brought the Knights of the Vale to Winterfell to turn the tide in the Battle of the Bastards. But make no mistake, Littlefinger is not a well-intended soul who just made a mistake or two along the way, like in regards to Ramsay Bolton or implicating Sansa in the Kingslayer plot. Even his fantasies are expendable, so long as it gets him what he wishes most. And that, in its own way, is another trope or fairy tale death in itself. The one person who has saved Sansa the most may very well be the person she should trust least. But again, because Littlefinger has helped her twice before, but again, because Littlefinger had helped her twice before and had helped her learn how to be a little bit better liar, then there's no evidence that until after the marriage to Ramsay that she would perceive Littlefinger as anything other than an ally. If you want to build a better home, first you must demolish the old one. Why did you really kill Joffrey? Tell me why. I loved your mother more than you could ever know. Given the opportunity, what do we do to those who've hurt the ones we love? In a better world, one where love could overcome strength and duty, you might have been my child. But we don't live in that world. You're more beautiful than she ever was. Lord Baelish. Call me Peter. You want her? This empty-headed child. Let her go. She's just like her mother. She'll never love you. 
I lied for you. I killed for you. Why did you bring her here? Why? I'll send her away. I swear on my life. I swear to all the gods. Let her go, Liza. <laughs> Oh, my sweet wife. My sweet, silly wife. I have only loved one woman. Only one my entire life. Your sister. Tell us what happened to your aunt, Sansa. You knew her well, my lords, my lady. You knew she was a troubled woman. She always loved Lord Baelish. She told me herself. She confessed to me she never loved Lord Arryn. My aunt was a jealous lady. She was terrified that Lord Baelish didn't love her anymore, that he would abandon her for a younger woman. And then, one day, she saw him kiss me. Lady Sansa. It was a peck on the cheek, Lord Royce, nothing more. Lord Baelish is my uncle now, in truth, by marriage. He's always been so kind to me. I was so happy to be here, to be free, all because of him. But my aunt turned on me. She cursed me, called me a whore, promised to throw me through the moon door. When Lord Baelish tried to calm her, she struck him. She said she didn't want to live anymore. She stood on the edge of that moon door. He tried to reason with her, promised her she was the only one he had ever loved. But she stepped through those doors and she was... Why did you help me? They'd have executed you. What would they have done with me? I don't know. Neither do I. Better to gamble on the man you know than the strangers you don't. And you think you know me? I know what you want. Do you? Before we left, a maester gave you a raven scroll. You are becoming an observant young lady. My mother used to say, dark wings, dark words. An old saying. Inaccurate in this case. So it was good news. My marriage proposal has been accepted. I thought you still mourned the death of my beloved Aunt Lysa. Your marriage proposal, it wasn't for you? No. Bruce Bolton murdered my brother. He betrayed my family. He did. He serves the Lannisters. For now. I can't marry him. You can't make me. He is a traitor, a murderer. You're not marrying Bruce Bolton. No, you'll be marrying his son and heir. Ramsay, don't you know by now how much I care for you? Say the word and we'll turn the horses round, but listen to me. Listen. You've been running all your life. Terrible things happen to your family and you weep. You sit alone in a darkened room, mourning their fates. You've been a bystander to tragedy from the day they executed your father. 
Stop being a bystander. Do you hear me? Stop running. I can still feel it. I don't mean in my tender heart. It still pains me so. I can still feel what he did in my body standing here right now. I'm so sorry. You said you would protect me. And I will. You must believe me when I tell you that I will. I don't believe you anymore. I don't need you anymore. You can't protect me. You won't even be able to protect yourself if I tell Brienne to cut you down. Why shouldn't I? You want me to beg for my life? If that's what you want, I will. Whatever you ask that is in my power, I will do. You freed me from the monsters who murdered my family. And you gave me to other monsters who murdered my family. Go back to McCaelin. Whenever I consider an action, I ask myself, will this action help to make this picture a reality? Pull it out of my mind and into the world. And I only act if the answer is yes. A picture of me on the Iron Throne. you by my side. It's a pretty picture. News of this battle will spread quickly through the Seven Kingdoms. I've declared for House Stark for all to hear. You've declared for other houses before Lord Baelish. It's never stopped you from serving yourself. The past has gone for good. You can sit here mourning its departure, or you can prepare for the future. You, my love, are the future of House Stark. Who should the North rally behind? A true-born daughter of Ned and Catelyn Stark, born here at Winterfell? Or a motherless bastard born in the South? interesting thing about the last part of that clip is why would Littlefinger divulge his ultimate twofold fantasy to Sansa? Is this yet another attempt at some type of manipulation to get the North for himself away from Jon in some way? Or is he playing his last card in the hopes that she will become his quasi-Catelyn, whether she plays his game or not? I suppose only season seven will give us possible answers to those questions, but in the meantime, all the while that Sansa first went missing from King's Landing, a true knight, who hates being thought of as a knight, was searching for Sansa, continuing a mission that she had begun way back in Season 2. Brienne of Tarth, who had pledged herself to Sansa's mother, had been given a task, secure Sansa from King's Landing and protect her. And that task took her on a crazy misadventure with Jamie, one that resulted in Jamie aiding her, on the mission to find the Stark girls and keep them safe. Ended up putting her in a perilous fight with one of Sansa's other earlier guardians, the Hound. And once Sansa was found, receiving refusal of her service from the girl she was supposed to protect. Finally, of course, after Sansa's escape from what I tend to call Boltonfell, as the Boltons held Winterfell, she finally was able to protect and serve Sansa on the way to the Wall. So, 
In yet another trope-breaking fashion, the knight coming to save the princess is someone who the princess can never fall in love with and live happily ever after. And on top of that, this knight doesn't want to be referred to as a knight at all. There she is. Yes, there she is. You made a promise. To return the Stark girls to their mother, who is now dead. To keep them safe. Well, Arya Stark hasn't been seen since her father was killed. What do you think she is? My money's undead. There's a certain safety in death, wouldn't you say? And Sansa Stark is now Sansa Lannister. It's a complication. Complication does not release you from a vow. What do you want me to do? Kidnap my sister-in-law and, and take her where? Where will she be safer than here? Look me in the eye and tell me that you think she'll be safe in King's Landing. Valyrian steel. It's yours. I can't accept. It's reforged from that Stark sword. You'll use it to defend that Stark's daughter. You swore an oath to return the Stark girls to their mother. Lady Stark's dead. Maya's probably dead too, but there's still a chance to find Sansa and get her somewhere safe. I'll find her for Lady Catelyn. And for you. I don't need a squire. Of course you do. He'll slow me down. My brother owes him a debt. He's not safe here. You'll be keeping him from harm. The chivalry. I won't slow you down, sir. Milady, I, I promise I'll serve you well. See? He's a good lad. He'll get along. They say the best souls of names. Any ideas? Oathkeeper. You swore to find the Stark girls. I found Arya. She didn't want my protection. Sansa still might. You shut your mouth. Lord Baelish. Lady Sansa. My name is Brienne of Tarth. We've met with Renly Baratheon. What did he say about you? He said... Your loyalty came free of charge. Someone appears to have paid quite a bit for it since then. Lady Sansa, before your mother's death, I was her sworn sword. I gave my word I would find you and protect you. I will shield your back and keep your counsel and give my life for yours if need be. I swear it by the old gods and the new. Please, Lady Brienne. No need for such formality. You were Catelyn Stark's sworn sword. I was. Strange. I knew Cat from the time we were children. She never mentioned you. It was after Renly's murder. Ah, yes. This woman swore to protect Renly. She failed. She swore to protect your mother. She failed. Why would I want somebody with your history of failure guarding Lady Sansa? Why should you have any say in her affairs? Because I am her uncle. I married her Aunt Lysa shortly before my beloved's untimely death. We're family now, and you are an outsider. Forgive me, Lady Brienne, but experience has made me wary of outsiders. Lady Sansa, if we can have a word alone... No. Please, my lady, if I could explain... I saw you at Joffrey's wedding, bowing to the king. Neither of us wanted to be there. Sometimes we don't have a choice. And sometimes we do. You should leave. 
beg pardon, milady. I've come to refill the wash basin. Oh, I don't need You still have friends in the north. If you're ever in trouble, light a candle in the highest window of the broken tower. But who? You're not alone. Lady Sansa, I offer my services once again. I will shield your back and keep your counsel and give my life for yours if need be. I swear it by the old gods and the new. And I vow that you shall always have a place by my hearth and meet and meet at my table. Meet and meet at my table. And I pledge to ask no service of you that might bring you dishonor. I swear it by the old gods and the new. Arise. And that wildling fellow with the beard. John isn't torment. John isn't Davos or the Red Woman or Stannis, for that matter. John is John. He's my brother. He'll keep me safe. I trust him. Then why did you lie to him when he asked you how you learned about Riveron? But if you look at it, Brienne did, in fact, fulfill one of the few tropes that we've seen on this show. Riding in at the last moment to save Sansa and Theon from the Bolton men outside of Winterfell. But again, that trope is broken quickly by who Brienne is and how the story actually plays out from there. Now, there's an interesting prospect to consider here. In the Arya podcast, we talked about how since she is in the Riverlands currently, that she might meet up with the Hound again someday. We talked in the last podcast the even more likely prospect of the Hound and Sansa seeing each other once more. But what would that mean for Brienne and the Hound themselves? Both have given protection to Sansa, neither allow people to call them knights or sirs, and, of course, they fought to what both thought was the death over the safety of Arya. While I've no idea if the show will explore the complicated dynamics of Sansa with the Hound and Brienne and their history, you can't say it wouldn't be interesting to explore it by having the Hound maybe bring Arya back to a liberated Winterfell on his way north, where Sansa and Brienne await. Or even if Brienne and the Hound might cross each other once again on their mutual journeys north from the Riverlands to Winterfell. But there is still a huge trauma that Sansa must face at Boltonfell before she perhaps finally grows into a not necessarily more wise, but at least more measured and more cynical Sansa that we see by the conclusion of Season 6. And that, of course, is her marriage to Ramsay Bolton. And this yet again shows how any kind of fairy tale life for Sansa is simply not possible. She has been liberated by Littlefinger and has been returned home, a place that she holds most dear and has the most pleasant memories for her. And now it has become a place of her greatest nightmares. She has escaped from the clutches of one horror in King's Landing and then been subjected to every fear of King's Landing, rape, physical and psychological torture, and not just from Ramsay himself, but also his lover Miranda. Ramsay gets bored easily. You don't want to end up like 
like the others. What others? I shouldn't gossip. Let's see, there was Kira, the blacksmith's daughter. She was tall like you, lovely figure. But she talked and talked and talked and Ramsey grew tired of that. And there was Violet. Oh, she had gorgeous blonde hair, but she got pregnant. And well, that was boring. Then, Tansy, such a sweet girl. Of course, sweet girls get a bit dull after a while, don't they? Ramsey let me come with him on that hunt. Hunt? Mm. Have you ever seen a body after the dogs have been at it? Not so pretty. Oh, but oh, it's your wedding day. Why am I talking about such things? What was your name again? Miranda. And how long have you loved him, Miranda? Did you imagine that he would be with you forever, is that it? And I came along and ruined it. I'm Sansa Stark of Winterfell. This is my home, and you can't frighten me. Bastards can rise high in the world, like your half-brother, Jon Snow. Now the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. He didn't know. Yes, he's done very well for himself. Oh. I nearly forgot why I asked you to join me. Come, my lady. Your northern friend. Rick told me you wanted to leave. Why? Winterfell is your home, and I am your husband. Tough old bird. Everyone talks when I start peeling them. But this one... Her heart gave out before I even got to her face. We do breed them tough. Bring my wife back to her chamber. It's far too cold out here for a lady. You should hold on to your candles. The nights are so long now. My lady, I've come to escort you back to your chamber. Go with her, please. I know what Ramsay is. I know what he'll do to me. If I'm going to die, let it happen while there's still some of me left. Die? But who said anything about dying? You can't die. Your father was warden of the North, and Ramsay needs you. Though I suppose he doesn't need all of you. Just the parts he'll use to make his heir, until you've given him a boy or two and he's finished using them. Then he's got incredible plans for those parts. So, shall we wait for him to come back, or should we begin now? You're leaving it to me. Now, as a book reader who had read the events of the Jane Poole storyline 
from the books and seeing that that's what the showrunners were going to do with Sansa's storyline, I had great reservations. And any of our long-term listeners uh, know my feelings about the way the storyline was written and shot. So that needs no further discussion here. But this truly is one of the last breakings of the fairy tale for Sansa. She has now been married twice, once to a man who she could not feel anything for and would not let bed her, and now, even worse, married to a man who has placed her in a situation that she cannot escape physically. She was tortured and raped and tormented in the most disgusting of ways. There is no happily ever after here. Instead, there is only one last singular hope, survival. And for that, she must turn to someone who it is clear she probably didn't pay much attention to as a child, let alone consider actual family. Her mentality towards Theon Greyjoy growing up was most likely the same exhibited by other members of the Stark family early on in this series, respectful to him in a way because that's basically how the Honorable treated their hostages, and maybe even friendly or at least tolerant of Theon. But now, Sansa must try and put her last ounce of faith in a man who is clearly broken, and up until the point where she makes the plea, thinks that he has killed her two younger brothers, as well as betraying her family by taking Winterfell in the first place. Again, having read the Jane Poole storyline in A Dance with Dragons, Theon saving Sansa was fairly predictable. Given the storyline in Feast, it was easy to see that Theon would be quickly leaving out of her life to go back to the Iron Islands, so that was all fairly predictable. But it doesn't make what Theon did any less important. By admitting to Sansa about the brothers and eventually helping Sansa escape, Theon, in some fans' eyes, has restored himself in some ways. Even though we see that even with Yara in the Iron Islands, he is just as severely traumatized by what Ramsay did to him as Sansa is by what the Bolton bastard did to her. So once again, Sansa isn't saved by a strong knight of any kind. Not any kind of real premeditation seems all that evident in Theon throwing Miranda off the ramparts, actually. It's just a moment of Theon not being able to allow any more bad to happen while he watches. But that act is enough. What he did, don't worry. The North remembers. I punished him for it. He's not ironborn anymore. Not Theon Greyjoy anymore. He's a new man. Aren't you Reek? Yes, Master. That's his new name, Reek. Why are you doing this? Because Reek has something to say to you. Don't you, Reek? Apologize to Lady Sansa for what you did. Apologize for murdering her two brothers. I'm sorry. Look at her, Reek. An apology doesn't mean anything if you're not looking the person in the eye. I'm sorry. Sorry about what? For killing your brothers. Theon. Do what he says. Do what he says or he'll hurt you. He really hurts me every night. All day I'm locked in this room and every night he comes. It can't be any worse. It can. It can always be worse. What did he do to you? Please. You betrayed my family. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You have to help me, Theo. 
you want to help me? Lucius, you don't know him. My family still has friends in the north. All I need to do is give a signal and they'll rescue me. Climb to the top of the broken tower. Light this candle and put it in the window. Promise me, Theon. Read! My name is Reed. Your name is Theon Greyjoy. Last surviving son of Balon Greyjoy, Lord of the Iron Islands. Do you hear me? Theon. Promise me. There is no Theon. Reek. Reek. Why did you tell him Reek? I was helping you. You wanted to escape. There is no escape. Theon Greyjoy tried to escape. The master knew. He hunted him and caught him and strapped him to a cross and cut away piece after piece until there was no Theon left. Good. If it weren't for you, I'd still have a family. If I could do what Ramsay did to you right here, right now, I would. I deserved everything. I deserved to be weak. I did terrible things. Turned on Rob. Captured Winterfell. Killed those boys. They weren't those boys. They were Bran and Rickon. They were your brothers. You've known them since they were born. They weren't. They were only... Only what? I can't. Tell me. I can't, not unless the master said. Tell me, they weren't what? <laughs> they weren't. Tell they... me why Bran and Rickon should be gone while you still breathe the air. Tell me to my face, Theon. Tell me that they weren't your brothers. They weren't Bran and Rickon. I couldn't find them. Those two farm boys. Killed them and burned them so no one would know. You didn't? Do you know where they went, Bran and Rickon? I can't talk to you anymore. Theon, you have to tell me. Do you have any idea where they went? Not Theon! Reek! You're leaving it to me. Good. Let's begin. I won't make it, I'll die. I've seen what his hounds do to a person. This way is better. Through the gate. I won't let him. I'll tell him the truth about Bran and Rickon. 
And the truth about the farm boys I killed in their place. And the truth about Sir Roderick who I beheaded. And the truth about Rob who I betrayed. When you take the black, all your crimes are forgiven. I don't want to be forgiven. I can never make amends to your family for the things I've done. And they'll keep you safer than I ever could. You're not coming with us? I would have taken you all the way to the wall. I would have died to get you there. Which brings us to yet another unexpected turn for Sansa, an alliance with a family member that she evidently treated badly when she was younger. Just like her mother, Catelyn, treated John poorly, we hear indications that Sansa treated John poorly as well when she was a child, just like her mother. Perhaps for the very first time since season one, we have a feeling that Sansa might at least feel safe, however. More than that, I have heavily criticized Dave and Dan for their portrayal of Sansa in the Jane Poole storyline, but they did find a way to save it. Not by making Sansa into some kind of superhero who is able to overcome everything that has happened to her, but instead by turning her into a survivor, and a survivor with the experience needed to likely continue to survive, and perhaps uh, anger that we hadn't seen welled up within her until now. While wanting to take back Winterfell with no idea of exactly how to do it, as well as relying on the old phrases like the North remembers uh, that have been proven to not always necessarily be true, still does show a degree of naivete. But her knowledge of the enemy at hand does directly foreshadow the few spots in the Battle of the Bastards where Jon's weaknesses do expose him and his army. I do want to say, no one should ever blame John for going after Rickon. That is what love and family does to someone. But it was the game that Sansa was smart enough to see in advance, demonstrating her value as someone who has become, at very least, a great observer. And obviously, her time with Littlefinger has enabled her to become a better lie detector and a liar for herself. Knowing that John would need more men makes her decision about the Knights in the Vale valuable for the war effort, but it also demonstrates that Sansa may not be able to trust anyone anymore as well. And Sansa does get to exact a vengeance on Ramsay that the young Sansa on the ramparts with Joffrey was stopped from having. I spent a lot of time thinking about what an ass I was to you. I wish I could change everything. We were children. I was awful, just admit it. (laughs) You were occasionally awful. I'm sure I can't have been grateful and always sulking in the corner while the rest of you played. Can you forgive me? There's nothing to forgive. Forgive me. All right. All right, I forgive you. (laughs) I think I'll be safe here if Roose Bolton remains warden of the North. Sansa. Winterfell is our home. It's ours. And Arya's and Bran's and Rickon's, wherever they are, it belongs to our family. We have to fight for it. I'm tired of fighting. It's all I've done since I left home. I've killed brothers of the Night's Watch. I've killed wildlings. I've killed men that I admire. I hanged a boy younger than Bran. If we don't take back the North, we'll never be safe. I want you to help me. 
but I'll do it myself if I have to. You will watch as my soldiers take turns raping your sister. You will watch as my dogs devour your wild little brother. Then I will spoon your eyes from their sockets and let my dogs do the rest. Come and see. Ramsay Bolton, Lord of Winterfell, the Warden of the North. Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North. His father's dead. Ramsay killed him. And now he has Rickon. We don't know that. Yes, we do. We have to go back to Winterfell and save them both. How well do you know the North, Sir Davos? Precious little, my lady. My father always said Northerners are different, more loyal, more suspicious of outsiders. They may well be loyal, but how many rose up against the Boltons when they betrayed your family? The North remembers. They remember the Stark name. People will still risk everything for it, from White Harbor to Ramsay's own door. I don't doubt it. But John doesn't have the Stark name. No, but I do. John is every bit as much Ned Stark's son as Ramsay is Roose Bolton's. And there are also the Tullys. They're not Northern, but they will back us against the Boltons without question. I didn't know the Tullys still had an army. My uncle, the Blackfish, has reformed it and retaken River Run. How'd you know that? Ramsay received a raven before I escaped Winterfell. So he's your most trusted advisor now? Because he secured 62 men from a 10-year-old. So Davos is the reason I'm standing here talking to you, and he served Stannis for years. Stannis, who lost the Blackwater, who murdered his own brother, who doesn't have a head. It's not enough. We need more men. There's no time. If we went down to Castle Kerwin, I know that Lord Kerwin... We fight with the army we have. You've known him for the space of a single conversation, you and your trusted advisors, and you sit around making your plans on how to defeat a man you don't know. I lived with him. I know the way his mind works. I know how he likes to hurt people. Did it ever once occur to you that I might have some insight? You're right. You think he's going to fall into your trap? He won't. He's the one who lays traps. He's overconfident. He plays with people. He's far better at it than you. He's been doing it all his life. Aye, and what have I been doing all my life? Playing with broomsticks. I've fought beyond the wall against worse than Ramsay Bolton. I've defended the wall from worse than Ramsay Bolton. You don't know him. All right, tell me. What should we do? How do we get Rickon back? We'll never get him back. Rickon is Ned Stark's true-born son, which makes him a greater threat to Ramsay than you, a bastard, or me, a girl. As long as he lives, Ramsay's claim to Winterfell will be contested, which means he won't live long. We can't give up on our brother. Listen to me, please. He wants you to make a mistake. Of course he does. What should I do differently? I don't know. I don't know anything about battles. Just. Just don't do what he wants you to do. Oh, that's good advice. You think that's obvious? Well, it is a bit obvious. If you had asked for my advice earlier, I would have told you not to attack Winterfell until we had a larger force. Or is that obvious when too? When will we have a larger force? We've pleaded with every house that'll have us. The Blackfish can't help us. We're lucky to have this many men. It's not enough. No, it's not enough. It's what we have. Battles have been won against greater odds. 
If Ramsey wins, I'm not going back there alive. Do you understand me? I won't ever let him touch you again. I'll protect you, I promise. No one can protect me. No one can protect anyone. I'm having the Lord's chamber prepared for you. Mother and father's room? You should take it. I'm not a Stark. You are to me. You're the Lady of Winterfell. You deserve it. We're standing here because of you. The battle was lost until the Knights of the Vale rode in. They came because of you. You told me Lord Baelish sold you to the Boltons. He did. And you trust him? Only a fool would trust Littlefinger. I should have told you about him. About the Knights of the Vale. I'm sorry. We need to trust each other. We can't fight a war amongst ourselves. We have so many enemies now. John, a raven came from the citadel, a white raven. Winter is here. Well, father always promised, didn't he? And even as John is declared the new king in the north, it is still unclear what the exchange of looks between Sansa and Littlefinger truly meant. Does she still not trust John? Will she accept a position of possibly just Lady of Winterfell or even less? Or will she accept Littlefinger's generous offer now that things have played out the way they have? These are the questions, of course, that we'll have to wait for in Season 7, with still no sign of a fairy tale life in Sansa's future. However, there is one thing that we know Sansa is capable of, exacting revenge on her enemies. No one was more shocked than I was when Sansa started to turn away from Ramsay as the dogs began, and then turned back to savor it for just a moment more before walking away with a slight smile of satisfaction. Your words will disappear. Your house will disappear. Your name will disappear. All memory of you will disappear. fed them in seven days. You said it yourself. They're loyal beasts. They were. Now they're starving. (laughs) 
personally feel like Sansa has actually earned this moment of revenge, but I'm not sure what it means for her future. Was this an isolated event? Does it show us what she is capable of if crossed again by anyone else? Or is Ramsay's crime so horrific, or was Ramsay's crime so horrific that no crime could compare in the way that she managed to punish him for it? Again, these may be answers for season seven to give us. In the meantime, I think it's safe to say that no matter how you feel about Sansa herself or her storyline, we can all agree that she is now a girl who knows that, unlike in the fairy tales, no one can truly be safe from anything. There was a raven from King's Landing. Feedback. And I have an email here from our friend Pat, who's at Patman23 on Twitter. And this was in response to the simulcast of the uh, Cersei, uh, the Mad Queen question mark podcast. He says, Sir Matt, I've been enjoying your extended discussion about Cersei Lannister with Axel Foley on the Small Council podcast. I have a few topics to talk about. One, the shadow of Aaliyah. When we think about Rhaegar's impact on Cersei's situation, Lyanna Stark typically comes to mind, since she was Robert's great love and had an effect on Cersei's relationship with her husband. But I think it's also important when trying to understand Cersei and her decision-making process to think of Elia of Dorne. Cersei had expected to marry Prince Rhaegar, but instead Princess Elia Martell became wife to Rhaegar. It's probably likely that Cersei must have occasionally imagined what her life would have been like if she'd have married Rhaegar, as Tywin had intended. I can't help but think that Aaliyah's gruesome death had to make some kind of impression on Cersei, since she had married Rhaegar, she would have been Cersei Targaryen during Robert's Rebellion. It is unlikely that Tywin would have given the go-ahead for Gregor Clegane to kill his own daughter and grandchildren, but things probably would not have been pleasant for Cersei and her children when Robert's forces secured King's Landing, particularly viewing Robert Baratheon's inclination for wiping out Targaryens. Once she and Jaime began to have children, the specter of Aaliyah must have been hovering around in her perception as a promise of what would happen if Robert found out. I'm not bringing this up as a contradiction to anything that you and Axel talked about. I just think it's a relevant point of discussion that Cersei probably had this concrete source of anxiety in her basket of troubles and fears. Number two, in defense of Joffrey, I'm not convinced that show Cersei didn't order Sir Mandon Moore to attempt to kill Tyrion, and I still believe Cersei made the order to kill Robert's bastards. Cersei is rather evasive on the show and lets Tyrion come to the conclusion that Joffrey was the culprit simply by not admitting to it. 
I could go into detail here on why I think Cersei is still the culprit, but instead I'll send you a tweet with my link to the defense of Joffrey post that I wrote in between the third and fourth seasons that address those charges against his grace. You are under no obligation to read it, but you might find it entertaining and interesting. As a bonus, I give a highly scientific approval rating value for Joffrey's reign and take Tywin to task for not being a very good mentor to the young king. Interesting. Uh, I will try and find that link and put it in the show notes. Littlefinger is topic three. It was great hearing you talk to Axel about Littlefinger and if Cersei can count on him being an ally. I think I have in common with the two of you the notion that Cersei thinks she can call upon Littlefinger in the Knights of the Vale, whom she authorized to head into the north against the Boltons as a reprisal for the Boltons sheltering fugitive Sansa. Sooner or later, she will have to discover that the army of the Vale are supporting the Stark's return to prominence. Littlefinger will have to do some fast talking if he wants to keep fooling Cersei, unless she so desperately needs allies that she is vulnerable to deception. I would like to hear Axel's theory about Littlefinger working with the others. I don't know if I believe that he is currently or in the past have been working with the White Walkers, but if there is anyone in Westeros likely to strike a deal with the others, it would be Mr. Chaos Equals Opportunity himself. I wrote about this also in a blog post about the others. I will send you a link, but of course you are under no obligation to read it, but it's great if I do say so myself. It's part of an essay on why I think the others and their ghouls can't swim and how Littlefinger might use that as leverage to make a deal. Best regards and thank you for all the podcasts. All right, Pat, thanks for all of your great thoughts there. Really appreciate it. And I'll be right back with uh, some closing thoughts in just a second. Thanks once again for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Hope you enjoyed the Sansa cast. We're tackling Daenerys next in a two-part series, How to Train Your Daenerys. Here's Axel Foley to tell you how to contact me, and take care. You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter, twitter.com slash winterfellpod. Contact the podcast either by email, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, or by calling the listener line, 314-669-1840.